Good morning. Great to be with you. Nice to say hello again. If I haven't met you before, uh, my name's Andy. I'm one of the ministers here. I have the privilege of leading the youth work here. Uh, great to have some of our young people in and involved in our service today. Um, Pre-COVID, we were in the pattern of doing that once a term with our younger youth that we call Connect and our older youth that we call Thrive did that twice um, in a term. Uh, why do we do that? Is it because we don't have youth team? Is it because uh, I want a week off? No, it's because uh, we want our young people to feel part of the wider church family um, as you grow up. So we hope you enjoy being involved. I'm sure uh, we enjoy having them with us today as well. We're carrying on our series, a down, think about down to earth. And today we're thinking about a down to earth king. Have you ever thought that you were something special, that you were the king in a certain category on a different level to others? As a 12-year-old, I competed in the Bath and Northeast Somerset Cross-Country Championships. Uh, the 12-year-olds were put with the 13-year-olds as well, year 8 and year 9. And I came third, and I thought that I was the king. I calculated that the two people ahead of me were actually year 9. So it did mean I was the best in Bath and Northeast Somerset. Uh, my ego meant a little bit higher than maybe it should have as I went through to the next round, left early on a Saturday morning, it was wet, it was windy, uh, we were competing with some other counties as well now, uh, but I was confident, uh, I thought I was something special. Um, the race set off, the pace was fast, um, I was not. Um, it was quite quick into the race that I realised I was at the very back, and what you do when it's wet and it's windy and you're not doing very well, you pretend you have a hamstring injury. And uh, I did. I ducked out. I thought I was something special. I thought I was the king. My ego uh, had gone too high, and I came crashing back down to earth. We're thinking about this theme of down to earth, but not really in that sense. The arrival of Jesus is a down-to-earth advent, a down-to-earth coming. We can say that in two senses, really. Down-to-earth in the sense that Jesus was born in very ordinary, down-to-earth circumstances, in a messy world, in a messy stable, in a messy family situation. The arrival of Jesus was down-to-earth. It was humble. Not that he was humbled, but he chose to become humble and enter and live in very ordinary circumstances. But also it's down to earth in the sense that Rob so helpfully led us in worship in that the king of heaven chose to come down to earth as the savior, as the king that we all need. I want to unpack this idea of being very human, down to earth if you like, but also divine, down to earth in our Bible reading today. Not only was Jesus fully human and fully divine, but we can also pick up aspects of both the humanness and the divineness of the Christmas story, of the arrival of our down-to-earth king. Uh, when Ken was with us a few weeks ago at the commissioning service, he talked about the difference that it makes to actively engage as we uh, listen to a sermon together, as we read God's word together. And we've got our young people in. So adults, this is your opportunity to expressly, actively engage as we open God's word together. And young people, this is our chance to dive into and enjoy God's word together. So expressions ready. If you want to open uh, your Bible to Matthew chapter 2, the words are going to be on the screen as well, um, but you might find it helpful to have it open in front of you. Um, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And two of the young people are going to come and read it for us, Isaac and Beth, if you'd like to make your way out. You don't need to wear a mask whilst reading. Thanks for checking. 
as I say, the words are on the screen. Has someone got a page number for me? Still winning at the back there, 966. So follow it along. Go for it, Isaac. Isaac, then Beth. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On the coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Brilliant. Thank you. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Great to have you reading for us. Let me encourage you to leave your Bibles open while we make our way through. Thinking about, I want to help us to think about four different aspects of our reading that show both the human and divine down-to-earth kind of nature to them. So I want to focus on the first is this, the location, the location of the king's arrival. Bethlehem was a down-to-earth place to be born. It's about six miles south of Jerusalem. It was such a down-to-earth, unspecial place that sometimes people had to clarify which Bethlehem we're even talking about. Bethlehem Judah or Bethlehem Ephrathath. So it wouldn't be confused with another Bethlehem that was in Nazareth. The Magi, when looking for the arrival of the king of the Jews, had first gone to Jerusalem. They were guided there, but understandably, they may well have been looking for the king there, this king of the Jews. It's a more obvious place to be looking. There was no need to clarify which Jerusalem This might be Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, the place where the temple was and the great kings resided. But the location of Jesus' birth, although in our first sense ordinary and earthly, in a down-to-earth sense, it was also down-to-earth in the sense that this was God's plan. And it was made really clear from long ago. And the passage we read quotes a bit from Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. From Bethlehem, the prophet Micah had prophesied, would come a ruler who would shepherd God's people. Bethlehem was the city of David. And so it was fitting that a king greater than the great king David came from here, from the same family line, would come from Bethlehem. 
Um, in our discipleship group, just wave at me if you're part of one of the discipleship groups in our church. Great, quite a few of you around. Um, we run discipleship groups regularly on a Tuesday. There's an older one for sick formers on a Sunday normally as well. Great opportunity for young people that want to, to explore and grow in Christian faith. Now, I've got the privilege of leading the year six one this year. And uh, just on the lead up to Christmas, um, we had a little look at some of the clues that we could find in the Old Testament that begin to give a hint of a little bit of the clues it gives to what the Messiah would be like, what this promised king would be like. You can even find some um, in the very first few chapters of the Bible, even in Genesis 3, there's a hint of what it's going to be. So we kind of made our way through and found hint after hint um, we're told it's going to be one of Eve's descendants and a descendant of Abraham, and then it kind of gets whittled down further and further, and we get some precise details. You might not be able to see this from where you are, but what it says near the bottom is that one of the clues is that this king, this promised one, would be born in Bethlehem. In some senses, you might think it's a very down-to-earth, ordinary place for Jesus to be born, but it's also down to earth in the sense that this was part of God's plan. This was part of God's rescue plan. Bethlehem would be the place of the forever ruler, the forever shepherd who would come. So the Messiah, the great shepherd, was expected to come from here. The location of Jesus' birth then, Bethlehem, was both humanly humble but divinely determined from centuries ago. That's the first aspect. The second aspect I want to look at is the king and the type of king. The type of king. Jesus was born at the time of Herod. And Matthew refers to him as King Herod, highlighting the contrast between this temporary king and the one who was called the king of the Jews. King Herod ruled over Judah, where Bethlehem and Jerusalem was and is, uh, but also Galilee, where we think Jesus spent much of his childhood and much of his ministry. He ruled between 37 BC and 4 AD. The Israelites, like our brothers and sisters in places like Afghanistan, were living under oppressive rulers, the oppressive rule of the Romans. But the Magi had not come to see Herod, but the one who would be called the king of the Jews, God's king. Not a king like Herod who ruled aggressively and cruelly at the permission of Rome, but one who ruled in love and service. Jesus came down to earth, not on a chariot arriving in a palace, but carried by an unknown teenager, Mary. And the Magi found this king in a house with his mother, verse 11 tells us. It's interesting to note that it's likely that Jesus was no longer a newly born baby at this stage, but could have even been as old as two, some scholars think. King Jesus didn't come in the same manner as other kings, but he arrived during an oppressive era for God's people, where they'd been brought more down to earth in the kind of humbled sense, like my story at the start, than ever before. But they held on to the hope of the coming Messiah, the Savior, who would come to God's people. I wonder if you've been brought lower than ever before in the last couple of years. I'm so aware of many of the struggles that we have been through, both caused by COVID, but other things going on in our life as individuals, as households in the last couple of years. I wonder if you can relate to the darkness into which we celebrate the light of the coming of Jesus. 
Jesus came during an oppressive time for God's people. He came to bring hope to his people. And at Advent, we remember that he comes to us again today. Maybe some of us need to hear that and pray that and receive that, that he comes to us again today. The king of the Jews arrived during the reign of a human king, but was to establish himself as the king among all kings. Third thing, the search. The Magi's search for this king was helped by the star that we read about in verse 1 and 2. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The Magi were not kings, and there's nothing to suggest that there were three of them in our reading here. Most likely, they were a group of astrologists from the east. The term Magi has also been used to describe a group of priests from Persia. But whoever they were, it was clear they were Gentiles. By that, I mean they were not Jews, and that they captured, they were captured by what they saw in the sky, and they were committed to discovering what it was and what it was pointing to. It's likely that they had been studying this for some time. They put a lot of value on what was being revealed to them by the stars. Now, in the kind of last couple of years of primary school, you learn about the solar system, about the stars, and I love a starry night. I really enjoy, but I don't have a clue what's going on. Now, helpfully, I have some children that occasionally point out to me, anyone name a star, they think, a planet they think they might have seen recently? Anyone think they might have seen a planet at all, just in a... Go on. Earth, well done, great. Got off to a strong start there, Fred. Ben? Venus. Okay, any adults want to join any, any planets you think you might have got a glimpse in in the last year or so? No? Well, maybe you know as little as I do. Um, but I, I was reliably told, or well, you can judge whether you think it was reliably or not, that we could probably see Jupiter recently looking up a day. There's little apps where you can kind of track it and check it as well. I don't know much about this stuff, but I'm pretty sure that the Magi knew more than me. The star, or perhaps several stars together, that's one possible theory for why it was so bright, had led them as far as Jerusalem, where they had sought advice. Herod, who was disturbed and had sought advice from the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he told the Magi that they could expect him to be in Bethlehem. Fascinatingly, it appears that neither the religious leaders nor Herod joined in the search themselves to go and see for themselves this king, despite believing that he would be born in Bethlehem. Jesus promised that if we seek and keep on seeking, that we will find. Let me just encourage you and challenge you to seek from your own heart, God, again, this Christmas. Don't leave it to others to do the looking, to do the searching, to do the seeking. You're never too young to search, and we're never too old to search. It's not just for others. We can open our hearts again this Advent to search for ourselves. And I believe that when we do, with an open heart, that like the Magi, we'll find the Saviour and the King that we all need. The Magi did seek, and having already travelled thousands, if not, uh, sorry, hundreds, if not about a thousand miles, some think, they continued on their way. But it wasn't the human instructions alone that led them, just, not just the advice that they got from these religious leaders who Herod had asked about as well. But verse 9 and 10. 
The star they'd seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. This was a search that was aided and directed by the creator himself, who even aligned the stars to make it clear. I don't know if you've ever, any of you ever been to the presentation they do at the planetarium, um, and they kind of go through some different theories of what it might have been. Um, they've, got some, so they've got some pretty good theories of, of what, what different planets or stars might have come together to have made it so bright, but God even directed and aligned the stars to make it clear for them. Contrastingly, Herod's search, belatedly, was not successful. As the Magi, they didn't return to him as he requested because they'd been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. Verse 12 tells us, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This search was pre-planned by the Lord, orchestrating the stars and protected by the Lord, speaking through dreams. Despite human attempts to kidnap this search, the search was protected by the Lord. We see the human attempts of Herod, and there are other ones too. If you go on reading, if you've got your Bible open in front of you, just look to the next little bit, verse 13. We read about Herod's attempt to try and find and kill baby Jesus. His attempt was unsuccessful because this is the story of God himself coming down to earth, and nothing was going to prevent this rescue mission, not even the power and wisdom of King Herod. The arrival of Jesus from heaven to earth was the beginning of God revealing himself in and through his son. He pointed the Magi, this group of searchers, to see him for themselves. And I believe that through his word today, he wants to reveal to us, to you, to I, that Jesus came down to earth to save us too. To save us from despair and brokenness and hopelessness. To save us from our sin and from our selfishness. Just as he aligned the stars for the Magi, perhaps certain things are aligning now in your life, in amongst the mess of our world, that in and through that we can discover for ourselves the joy of the coming of Christ. The search, there's a human aspect to it, but we see God's hand in it, don't we? Him clearly revealing the Lord Jesus to these Magi who were searching for him. The final area I want to highlight is the gifts. The gifts. Have you ever wondered how the Magi chose the gifts? Did they just have them on them? Did they contemplate their significance and choose them before they set off hundreds of miles before? I'm not entirely sure they got the whole significance of their gifts. Verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child was with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They bowed down and worshipped him. Physical actions can often be an outward sign of what's going on on the inside. Bowing in awe, in humility, in reverence and worship, they bowed down and gave their gifts. Baby presents today are a little bit different, aren't they? Uh, I remember being thrilled when we were given this really cool, like, winter all-in-one onesie for a tiny little baby. Um, some people try and, you know, get an early influence in when they give a baby gift. They might try and give, like, a West Brom kit or some other kind of sporting team to try and get influence in early on a child's life. These gifts were a little bit different, but they were fitting 
2,000 years ago when paying respect to the arrival of an emperor or prince, costly gifts were given. And again, we can see both the kind of human costly valuing side of these gifts, but also the divine nature and significance of these gifts as well. Take gold, a gift of huge human value, but was also a sign of royalty and signified Jesus' coming from David's family. This acknowledged Jesus' kingly status, even from his arrival as a baby. Frankincense. Frankincense is the gum of resin uh, or resin of the Boswellia tree, uh, so I read, used for making perfume and incense. Incense was to be used by the priests in prayer and was even a symbol for some of deity. This gift pointed to the priestly role that Jesus would have. There's human value, but there's divine significance to these gifts as well. As Isaiah 60 and verse 6 hints, gold and frankincense were gifts that would come from the nations and would be fitting for a king. But what about myrrh? What about myrrh? Myrrh was an expensive perfume often used for embalming. In the giving of this gift, there's a new dimension, a central dimension that was added to who this baby is and what he would go on to do. Myrrh signifies death and is used to prepare for burial. Don't see it being given too often at baby showers these days. But even at the beginning of the gospel, there is a whisper, a hint of why Jesus came, a prophetic sign of the cross that lay ahead for this king. Humanly speaking, these gifts were of immense value, but they were signs of the gift that God sent down to earth, a perfect king who would perfectly fulfill the role of the priest. And through his death, we can all know the greatest of gifts, the gift of eternal life. When we think about a down-to-earth king and this reading in Matthew 2, we can think about the location and we can note this was God's plan from long ago. And Bethlehem shows us that God in Christ comes to us, those that sometimes feel forgotten or unimportant. When we think about the type of that king and we think about Jesus as king, we can see he wasn't like Herod, but he's the kind of king who was kind and gracious, just, wise, and the saving king that we all need. When we think about the search that the Magi went on, perhaps we can recognize behind the scenes, like a screen playwriter, God is calling the shots. He was calling the shots for them, and he's calling the shots for us as well. It says of Jesus that he came to seek and save the lost. Many of us, our story might be that as we search for God, we discovered that he was already searching for us. And as we think about the gifts that were given, who they point to, who Jesus was, what he came to do, we're left discovering that Jesus was the down-to-earth gift that we all need, the down-to-earth king that we all need. So what is our response? I'd like to borrow from our own queen in what she shared, some of you might remember, in a recent Christmas Day speech. We can respond by giving our heart. She quotes the carol that we'll sing in a moment. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give my heart. We can give our hearts.
So let me appeal to you again, church, family, young and old, guests, those who know Christ, those who don't yet, those who maybe are about to know Christ. Let us give him our hearts again today. If I can invite the band to come and join me. Let us give him our hearts in response in worship today. Jesus is the down-to-earth king that we all need. Let him let us give him our hearts today. If you're able to, can you stand? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then we're going to sing that carol that gives us the opportunity in worship to say that's our response. We want to give our hearts to the Lord in worship in response. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came down to earth, the King of heaven, that you came down to earth, that this was God's plan. We thank you that you humbled yourself. You came into a very ordinary, in some ways forgotten place. We thank you that because of that, we can know you. We don't have to earn our way to you. You have come to us. We thank you for the type of king you are, just the type of king that we need, the king above all kings, but the king who is powerful yet gentle, full of love and just. We thank you that as we search for you, we discover you're already searching for us. And Lord, we want to respond in worship and say, Lord, we give you our hearts. In a moment of quiet, why don't you just, if you want to, just own that, personalize it, say again that we want to respond with a heart that worships. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give my heart. Jesus, in worship, we give our hearts to you. We say we love you. We honor you. We thank you, you're the king. We proclaim you as the king. We thank you, you're the savior. We proclaim you as the savior. Lord, we give you our hearts in worship today. Amen. Thank you.